Welcome to the Mom Owned and Operated Podcast, the podcast about moms and for moms, where we have candid conversations about running a business, raising a family, and remembering ourselves. I'm your host, Rita Suzanne, a single mom of four, digital strategist, and provider of no-nonsense business strategies and tactics. Hi, this is Mom Owned and Operated. I am Rita Suzanne, and today I have my guest, Amanda Engler, with me. Thank you so much for joining us, Amanda. I'm so excited to chat with you today and talk about you, your family, and your business. Please tell us all about you. Thank you so much, Rita, for having me. I'm so excited to be here and serve your audience. I love your podcast. I think you are such a strong, inspirational woman. And so I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Um, so I am a virtual event planner. I've been planning virtual events since 2019, and I help my clients scale predictably, sustainably, and repeatably through leveraging the power of virtual events. And it is super rewarding because you're able to connect so many people with powerful information in your offer that need it most. And it's super targeted um, audiences and you're giving them so much value, which makes it really easy to share your offer at the end of the virtual event um, and get the most ideal clients at your event and into your offers. So that that's a little bit about what I do. Love that. And you're a mama. Yes, a mom of two. So I'm in Michigan. Um, and my son is seven and my daughter is four. And my husband actually just started working from home. So we've been like having that whole dance going on in the background. But so far it's been a good transition. <laughs> I love it. Do you say so do you take your daughter to does she go to pre-K or is she in like daycare? She does pre-K three days a week, and then I have her on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And so right now she's upstairs, like playing with trains. <laughs> oh, so cool! And and like, how do you find that like being able to juggle and stuff? Because she is four. Obviously, it's probably not a big deal if she does want to, you know, hang out and stuff. But yeah, I feel like we're at a good. I love my kids' ages right now. They're so fun in, you know, each age comes new challenges, but I feel like we're pretty good on the challenges and like independence, like they still need me enough. So like I'll work in the mornings. I'm a morning person. So Monday through Saturday, I work from five to seven before they wake up. And then when they're at school, I'll work eight to three 30. So three days a week, I do that. And then on days that Scarlett's here, I only work in her nap because I can't, I've not been that mom that's figured out how to keep kids entertained while you focus and work. Like I don't have that kind of, (laughs) I don't know anybody who really has, um, and to be able to focus, you know, my kids are older as everyone knows, like they're 11 to 14 and I still can't work with them around really like, you know, cause they, they want to tell me about their day or they want to talk about something or they want to me to mediate some kind of 
thing that's going on. So it's really hard to work and, you know, try to get focused and then get distracted and to get back into it. So I think it's easier just to like you're doing is plan it out and work in these chunks of time versus trying to continuously work, which is what I used to do all the time. And then I would get so frustrated because I'm trying to work, which for what seems like the entire day, you know, because I keep on getting interrupted. And so I've learned that I just cannot do anything that requires thought while my children are home. (laughs) Yeah. It's not worth the battle. It's not worth the fight. I'd rather just wake up at 445 and get to work at five. Like, yeah. For sure. Yeah. I love that. I I'm not a morning person, but I will. And then by the nighttime though, I'm also kind of burnt out. So, you know, I've been trying to simplify everything to where I'm not working on these big projects like I used to. And I'm just focusing on education instead of the actual doing, which I love. Like I've always loved to teach. I've always tried to teach my clients all these things, but they don't really want to learn them. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited to hear more about virtual events because the last time that we spoke, I was so intrigued by the concept of it. So like, tell us more about virtual events and like things that just some ideas of like, what can people do as a virtual event? Sure. Yeah. And this is like one of my main things that really try to communicate to everybody in my Facebook group, everybody in my program is that at different levels of business, there's different virtual events that make sense and make sense with an offer on the other end, right? Like it's not like, you know, a person who's new in business should be doing a three-day live virtual event because they're new in business. They don't have the financial resources to necessarily pull that off. And also if you don't have a proven offer, there's other things that you should really be doing to mm-hmm. get that offer out by leveraging virtual events. So yeah, depending upon where you're at in business and your offer, what you're trying to share with the world, and um, there's a right virtual event to pair up with that. Do you think that you need to have like a minimum like audience before you start trying to do virtual events? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, I love this question because I feel like it's kind of like what came first, the chicken or the egg? And it's like, well, if you see Tony Robbins and Grace Lieber and like all these people holding these mega awesome virtual events, like all the screens, Mm -hmm. it's like, that's great. But like they had to start somewhere and it was a lot smaller and a lot simpler, still high value content, still the same people. And as they grew the audience, then they grew their income and then they could grow like the whole stage presence. But to start out, like you don't need all of that and you can still be super impressive to your audience as you grow and grow your audience with the virtual event. Well, what if they do all this planning and then they don't like get the conversions that they want? Would you say then take that event and do a recorded version where they can like replay or like and sell that? Or like, what are, I guess it really depends on the business, huh? Right. It depends on the business. And I would say like, if you're going into your 
virtual event, you really should start with the right intent. And if it's the first one, and it's an offer you've never sold to anyone before, maybe the intent should be like, I'm going to learn a lot about my audience, about Mm -hmm. what they want, how to speak to them, and making sure that like what I'm talking about at the virtual event is what they want and also matches my offer on the back end. When those things come in alignment, when you are able to find like where you're at in business, the right virtual event and the right offer, when that comes into alignment, it is like a beautiful, beautiful, like that's where the magic happens. And it's super impactful, not only for you, but for your audience. They get the most out of it when those things align. So what's an example of a virtual event? Like what would be considered a virtual event? Sure. So I consider challenges virtual events, like they're all online. They're just mm-hmm. have different levers that they're pulling and different um, strategies, psychological strategies and different benefits to it. So like I in my Facebook group, if you join my Facebook group, I have this freebie that's like your roadmap to virtual events. And it talks about each virtual event type, like the goal and purpose behind it, mm-hmm. as well as like some hallmark elements. So you'll be able to see that too. Um, and I think that's my free gift for you guys too. So I love that. I, yeah. Um, but basically it's from the easiest, most accessible would be like challenges. And then from challenges, we go to workshops and then workshops go into webinars and free trainings. And then we go into um, summits, which are still a lot of work, and then going into a three-day live virtual event. So I think that challenges is a good start for someone who doesn't necessarily have an established audience so far, right? And it's also a good way to establish yourself as an authority who knows what they're doing, right? Yes, exactly. Stimulate a Facebook group, have one, and it's been dying and you need to get some fresh blood in there. There's like lots of auxiliary benefits. Plus you get better on video, which Mm -hmm. ultimately you need to anyway. So it gets you showing up, um, and interacting without like a million eyes. Like you can't see the eyes like you would on a three day where you're on zoom and you see all of their faces and they're all staring back at you. That can sometimes be intimidating. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Um, so what are some misconceptions that people do have about live events? Yeah. So I think that with live virtual events, you have to start with the right foundation. And I mean, it sounds simple enough, right? But most online entrepreneurs are very independent and Mm self-starters and they see someone else doing a virtual event. And so they hack and copy without totally understanding, like, like I said, there's challenges and there's workshops and then they see all these different things and they're like, okay, I really like this thing about it. I like this and I like this. And then they kind of merge it all together and it becomes almost like a Frankenstein event. And it's, it's not bad. It just, if you pull different levers that are supposed to be used in different events, you're not going to get the same results Mm. and you might be disappointed by the end. Yeah, that's very true. So how profitable are virtual events? Like profitable, I mean, 
tell me more, tell me all about how to use this. Cause you know, I am pivoting into a different direction. So I'm over here in my head thinking like, maybe I need to do some kind of events. Yeah. So your first virtual event, again, you're probably going to do be doing a lot more learning. And so in terms of that, like your time investment will be larger until you can start to like outsource a team and maybe get a little bit of support. I'm not saying you even need support to do it, but like you're either paying with time or money, right? So if you mm-hmm. have more time, um, then that's where, that's where you're going to get, feel it most. Um, and so in terms of profitability, I think that every virtual event where you're providing real value, you should charge. Yeah. Also people, when they, even if they don't have an audience, you, you feel like they, there should be a minimal minimum buy-in. Yes. Even if, if you're nervous and you're like, Oh, I can't charge people for this. The only way they're going to show up is if, if you have some sort of transaction happen happens. And then they actually show up. That's like a key part of that happening. Plus they're more invested in getting the result from the virtual event. And there's, there's a lot of psychology behind that. So it's at the beginning charging to help Mm -hmm. offset if, if you're doing all organic help offset your time, or if you're doing paid, then you're offsetting some of your ad costs. Right. Um, and then obviously like I'm a big proponent for making your virtual event like profitable on its own and not letting that dip into your profit on the back end of your offer. Like you shouldn't be spending so much on your virtual event that all of the money that mm. you've collected from people coming into your program, course or membership, that 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 goes to pay for the event. And then you then you just broke you even. netted nothing. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Um, and so with that said, like, again, charging, there's not a lot of costs associated, especially if you're leveraging platforms and programs already in your business. I like Mm -hmm. to look at it in a holistic view. And also as an attendee, you want to lower that barrier of entry. So you don't want to throw another platform that they have to learn, you have to learn, they have to learn, like, just use what you already have. So if you have a membership area, drop the zoom links in there for the attendees and then go, it doesn't have to be more complicated than that. And then again, on the back end, you have your offer. So that's where you get that cash injection into your business. Yeah, I love that, especially because a lot of times people. So, do you feel like a virtual event is good for um, just course providers or coaching and and things like that, or is it good for service based businesses as well? So, if you are, I think it's great across industry and niches, and it's like been proven time and time again. I mean, that was the one nice. I don't want to say nice thing, but like COVID, the pandemic right? I was doing them before and it was a bit of a harder sell because people were like, well, will it really work for me? And I'm like, yes, like, well, and now it's like, oh yeah, it works for everybody. And it comes down to like how you package it and how you're sharing it at the end, right? I've, I've done it for memberships. I've done it for programs and courses for service provider for agencies. It's obviously very good. Mm -hmm. Um, 
if you are one-to-one and you don't have a team, um, it could still work, but you just are limited on capacity. So if you get a bunch of people there, what do you do with the leads afterwards? Exactly. Well, there's that, unless you're scheduling them so far out that everybody would be so antsy to work with you, right? As if you're selling something that's really good. So I guess it depends on the length of your offer also, like how long does it take for you to finish a project and move on to the next one or how many can you work on simultaneously? Exactly. Yeah. So what's, what's the best advice that you could give for someone who is interested in trying a virtual event this year? Um, so I have a few, but I would say, um, again, go with the right intent and do it live. Um, so like I mentioned, if, if you're really familiar with your avatar, even if you're a service provider, and you've sold this service, but you are wanting to like, you know, productize your information, mm-hmm. you could probably go in with the intent that you're going to make some sales at the end because you've already been selling it as a service one-to-one. So you know how to talk to that person, you know who it is, you've got a lot of clarity. Um, but if if you are just brand new in your business and you're still trying to figure out your avatar and all of that, like go in with, you know, I'm going to learn a lot. I'm going to invest the time. Um, that's the thing, right? Like you don't have to wait a year to get all of this feedback. You're getting the feedback so quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, and the reason why I say do it live too, whatever it is, don't go straight to evergreen or pre-record is because you're not going to get that immediate feedback right away. And when it's live, it's much more engaging. Like you can see people, I mean, depending upon what format, right? You get so much more out of it and so does your audience. So those would be my two best pieces of advice going into it for for this year. And, um, you know, speaking of like discovering your target audience and stuff, if you have that feedback from them and the questions, that's something useful that you can use in your marketing, in your um, content creation, things of that nature. So, you know, when I'm helping people discover their target audience, that's something that I'm always telling them, like, go and do a little bit of research and see what are their problems and, you know, what's the solution that you can bring to the table in order to help them with their problems. For sure. And I would say this too, doing it live doesn't mean that you're not recording it. Definitely record it. And then you can use those clips from, of course, with the audience's permission, you can use like whatever ahas and takeaways in your marketing, which is super fun. And if it's recorded to your point earlier, you can always repackage that and sell it or add it to a bonus later. Like you get all of the recordings. There's so many things that you can do with it. Yeah. I'm all about repurposing and all of that stuff. So, um, one of the things that I love to talk about is, you know, we, we've talked about your business and we've talked about your littles and family and all that stuff. But one thing that I love to talk about is you. And since you're so busy doing all of the things, can you tell us what are you doing for you? Like, how are you remembering yourself? That's such a good question. And like, right after kids were like, or at least for those first few years, it's like, we don't even care. We're just so busy trying to survive. That other person just goes away for a little yeah. while. Yeah. 
Um, and the kids being the ages they are, I feel like that's been coming up more in my world and really remembering that. And actually my husband and I in February had an adult ski weekend and we met in like Tahoe, California, which we were like big snowboarders. So that's always been like really important to me is to like have that opportunity to just like go out and have fun. And now the kids are also learning to do that, which is fun, but it's nice to have like the alone time and like get out there and do that. Um, but some things that I've, so each month I'm trying to do something new that I, well, not new, something I used to do Mm. to like reconnect. And so I started a hobby hour. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) I try to like either sketch or like paint. That was like something I used to do a lot in college. And so like just reconnecting to those different bits and pieces of yourself. I like that anyways, because I think that as when I was growing up, my mom wasn't, she was working all the time. And so we didn't see that side of being, you know, creative and all of these things. My, she was really into the holidays. So she used to do all her crafty stuff then, but we didn't see it on a regular basis. So I, um, Interestingly, I didn't even realize that I could be creative until um, probably when I started my business, you know, it's like uh, almost like you're forced into it. Like I saw little bits and pieces where I would try, but it wasn't um, until I actually started creating stuff for myself and other people that I thought, oh, I can do this, you know? And so I think it's a good example for your kids to show them that they can try new things or, you know, that you can do more than just work and, you know, other mom stuff. And that's like the other piece, right? Is like doing it, but also not feeling guilty about Mm -hmm. it. Like taking time for yourself. I always look at my daughter and sometimes I'll feel guilty um, about like, oh, I'm going to take this time for myself. Right. And like, sometimes I'm even like, don't tell the kids what I'm doing because I only want to color by myself. I don't want to color. (laughs) But then like, it's, I'm, in my mind, I reframe it instead of the guilt is I'm showing them that you can be more than one thing. And it's okay, especially Mm -hmm. for women to take time for yourself and give to yourself. Cause I feel like, right. Like our moms never did because that was the generation they, you know, they had to be working and they like had to be taking care of the family and that didn't really leave time for themselves. Exactly. And, and so I'm always talking about how I lock myself in my bedroom and, you know, um, I do that every day because it's so demanding. Um, you know, kids require a lot and, and so my business takes from me and my kids take from me. And so I'm like, I am somewhat of an introvert where I'm like, I need to be alone so that I can rejuvenate so that I can be better for you so that I can just, and, and sometimes I'm not doing anything, you know, I'm just sitting. I'm, I'm still. <laughs> uh, that's so when I, I started working from home in 2018, beginning of 2019, And I I think that was one of the hardest transitions was like, I go from work and straight into family. Mm -hmm. And now that my husband's working from home, he had a 45 minute commute before both ways. So he had like some downtime, but like taking that time for yourself, like 
even if that means you're staying in your office, but you're not focusing on work and you're not focusing on kids, like just recalibrating, recentering is so important. Yes, I agree. So if someone wants to connect with you, what is the best way and where are you? How can they find this wonderful freebie that you're giving away? Yeah. So, um, the best place, the, where I provide like the absolute most value, like we were talking before we hopped on, um, is the Facebook group, virtual event central. You can always like hang out with me on Facebook. I'm on Instagram and TikTok, Amanda V Engler LLC, but in virtual event central right now. Um, so I have yet to plan my own virtual event because I'm always doing other people's, right? Mm -hmm. And so I thought this year, it would be really great to make that a goal of mine to do it for myself, kind of like giving to myself. And so each Monday inside the group, I'm telling everybody what I'm focusing on. So if they want to also do it and they follow step by step, they'll have everything they need um, to do it themselves. And it's, it's free. It's inside the Facebook group. Plus I also do trainings and guest interviews and, and fun things in there. I love that because everybody wants to see like the behind the scenes, like show me your secrets. Let me see how you do all of the things. Um, so your website is, um, so yeah, they can go to, scalingandthriving.com. And so that is the best place to that's signing up for the event in April, my own virtual event. So that would be the best place to find out more about me. There's a whole about me page there as well. Love it. Thank you so much for jumping on. I appreciate it. It's been so fun chatting with you and just educational and entertaining. I thank you again. Yes. Thank you so much, Rita. I so appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. And there you have it. I want to encourage you to remember that being a mom who runs her own business is not easy. We all struggle, but just keep moving forward and don't forget to make time for yourself. As moms, we are usually the first thing to go to the bottom of the list. If your business is overwhelming you and you need real solutions, not just some sugar-coated suggestions, apply to work with me at ritasuzanne.com slash apply.